1: Please rise for their majesties of Royally Obsessed, the podcast for all things royals.
2: Stand by. Three cheers for Her Majesty, the Queen.
1: Happy International Women's Day, Roberta. Happy International Women's Day, Rachel. The day of our recording, I know it's a
0: you know by the time this airs it'll be a couple days past, but it should always be International Women's Day. We're the best, and you as a woman are so inspiring to me. I just want to tell you that. Same. This is so special to spend the day with you. It really is. All right, welcome back to another episode of Royally Obsessed. I'm Roberta, and I'm Rachel. And before we get into everything, please email us at info at We love hearing from you guys. Also, please, please, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Five stars, pretty please. We have so much coming up. What are we talking about today, Rachel? One year since Oprah, Roberta. One year. To
1: celebrate, to honor it. What's the right word there? We have got Omid joining us. Third time on the podcast, actually. We're just, you know, it's always a delight to have him on. I love that we can just have him to come on. His wisdom is always so welcome. Uh, We also are talking about Queen Elizabeth's in-person engagement with Justin Trudeau. Of all people, I love him. Uh, More royal family donations to Ukraine. Prince Harry at a rodeo? Question mark, question mark, question mark. (laughs) I have to had that eyebrows raising, I don't know, uh, to be discussed. Charles contributing to help Andrew pay off what he owes as part of his settlement. We're going to discuss that. A Samantha Markle lawsuit and so much more. Gosh,
0: Roberta. And International Women's Day, which oh, I yes. feel like we got a quick glimpse. This like wasn't a huge story, but got a quick glimpse of Camilla and Emerald Fennel, who plays Camilla on The Crown, for anyone who doesn't know, at a reception at Clarence House. And it was, like, very lovely and cute. And they, that like, kind of giggled surprise, together, right? Yeah. Like, some of the headlines were, like, the palace is,
1: they're mending fences. It's
2: okay. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and Camilla even made a joke, like, oh, my alter ego can step in. Like, should I be incapacitated or something? And that was really funny. So, I love yeah. that. And then also the, the post we just saw about the queen, um, the cambridges and charles and camilla honoring the queen on international women's day as britain's longest reigning monarch so nice way to celebrate and to celebrate we also have our royal refreshment and now it's time for
3: the weekly royal cocktail
1: cheers so don't cheers but i only have water because okay. don't get mad at me but um my husband <laughs> not had a zoom you. A kind of Zoom meeting going on, and if and he was doing someone's review, so if I went in the background, mm-hmm. I felt like it would be. I just wanted to, I was like, I can't go and fix myself my royal drink, so what are you sipping?
0: All I want is to be able to make you an espresso martini, which is oh, what I'm holding right now, and I would welcome that. It's Kahlua vodka, and espresso. So it's a little pick-me-up, actually, this afternoon, which is really nice. But I'm also cheersing Rachel to us because we accidentally missed our 100th episode recording together, which was, this is our 103rd. So we're three late, but I know. How did we miss that? And I didn't
1: fix myself a drink. (laughs) Damn it. I am so mad at myself. So we'll have to cheers again at 104. Is that Cheers to 100. Yeah, (laughs) 104 is the new 100, I guess. Um, Okay, well, moving on while we're sipping, we have a lovely note from Casey. She said, I am a 22-year-old baker from Boston, and every day at work, I look forward to putting in my AirPods and listening to Royally Obsessed while I bake. You guys are amazing hosts, and I could listen to you two talk about the royals all day long. Aw, butter us up. Nice. (laughs) Nobody else in my life is royally obsessed like me, and listening to the pod makes me truly feel like I am chatting with some other royally obsessed friends. I can't wait for upcoming episodes to hear about Kate's tour, all the COVID cases, and more Jubilee details. Thank you guys for all the hard work you put into the pod to make it as special as it is. Casey, that's so lovely. Thank you for the no. Also, Boston is my original hometown. So it's kind of like a nice little throwback there for me. And Matt,
0: your husband is a baker. So yes, I need to know more about the baking. (laughs) 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 Is there a bakery we need to check out? Please, Casey, tell us Uh, more.
1: Yes. Thank you for your note and kind words, though.
0: We also got some kind words and a lovely note from a listener, Dewey, who sent some snail mail our way from London, the... Harper's Bazaar, uh, UK edition, where the cover of the magazine is Royal Style in the Making Exhibition at Kensington Palace. Such a sweet, lovely package to receive out of the blue. The kindest.
1: I mean, we're just so blown away by this community continually. And if we don't say that enough here, we're just we are so humbled to be a part of it. So thank you for your constant
0: love notes and snail mail that you send our (laughs) way. I know it's a one. It's really amazing. All right. This week in Royal History. And
2: now this week in Royal History.
0: Rachel teased this at the top of the episode, but we are diving into the Oprah interview this episode because one year ago on March 7th, 2021, 60 million, I guess this wasn't the live number, 17 million live, 60 million eventually watched the Sussexes tell all with Oprah. I did a lot of research. I rewatched the whole thing last night, which is very hard to do. (laughs) I'm so impressed that you rewatched the whole thing, Roberta. It must have been quicker without the commercials, but still. Yeah. So it's an hour and a half without commercials. Xfinity is not happy. And we got some angry emails about the ways in which I watched it, which Uh is not the best, but sorry. You did what you had to do. Exactly. And, you know, it's trimmed to one and a half hours from three and a half hours, which, Rachel, just makes me think how much was left on the cutting room floor. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I can't. Even with those four additional clips the next day, we got on CBS this morning with Gail King. But still, there is so, so much that You know, the world has not witnessed from the interview. So, Rachel, I wanted to kick off this discussion this week in royal history by asking, where were you when you watched this? Well, I was in Massachusetts,
1: I remember. um, And I remember we were fresh off a UK radio interview. And do you remember during the episode we got pinged by the same station to ask us to come on at like midnight? And I was like, I was so the adrenaline pumping through me was like, yes, I can do it. I can because of the time difference. It was like it would have been like their morning show and it was 6 a.m. And I was like, I can stay up till midnight and then function all week. And I was like, no. And you were like, you were the voice of reason being
0: like, we cannot we have to decline. We have to politely decline. I was in such a I, I was in the, the mindset of like, we have to say no to some things right now because yeah. I had just moved into my new apartment. And so That's I was watching right. it. I, I had forgot. the TV like set up on top of a moving box and all oh of gosh. our stuff and like nothing. And we had gone out to uh, dinner with some friends and came back and we were just sitting on the couch with no furniture, just one couch and a TV. Watching watching it. I remember it's all coming back
1: to me now as the lovely Celine Dion likes to say.
0: Okay, to kick us off, I wanted to play this quick clip from the beginning of the interview. Rewatching watching it, gave me chills, especially the intro. So here's that.
2: Tonight, for the first time, they tell their story. I'm sitting down with Megan. I think what we really have got to clear up here is that you, Megan, are the one who manipulated, calculated this Mexit And later, Harry joins us. What was the tipping point? Did you blindside the queen? I also visit them at home where they're beginning their new life in America. Whoa! <laughs> you really are having a baby! I'm having a baby!
0: That, uh, that greeting that they shared at the beginning with Megan coming out in that stunning black dress, Giorgio Armani dress, um, just makes me laugh because it was really... Oprah was genuinely so, so thrilled to see her and her baby bump. So, all right, quickly, Rachel, I'm just going to go through the biggest bombshells and highs and lows of the interview, and then we can discuss. So I'm, I'm putting you on the spot to time me for this, because All right. I've got a timer going. OK, you got to pause it when we play a clip, though. That won't count again. Okay, right? OK, OK. All okay. No, right. no, no. OK, or no. okay. <laughs> okay. well, this is the Oprah interview in a nutshell for anyone listening. So biggest bombshells. Kate made Megan cry, not the other way around. The concerns over the color of Archie's skin as an unborn baby. Also his titles. We're going to play a quick clip from that. Pause that timer.
2: You certainly must have had some conversations with Harry about it and have your own suspicions as to why they didn't want to make Archie a prince. What are what are those thoughts? Do you think it's because of his race? And, and I know that's a loaded question, but.
3: But I can give you an honest answer. In those months when I was pregnant, all around this same time. So we have in tandem the conversation of he won't be given security, he's not going to be given a title, and also concerns and conversations about how dark his skin might be when he's born.
2: What? Who is having that conversation with you? so um there is a conversation hold up hold up there's several, right con- now. There are several conversations there's a conversation it. with you with harry about how dark your baby is going to be
3: potentially and what that would mean or look like
0: Ooh. yeah that that was the biggest, I think, from this whole interview. But we also had the other bombshells of this invisible contract with the media. Um, Harry saying that his father and brother are trapped within the system. Then there were these beautiful moments, these highs, as we'll call them. You know, we love our highs and lows on this mm-hmm. podcast. We so. absolutely do. So here's the highs. The highs are that beach scene with, you know, the dog and um, Archie running between Harry's legs. You have Archie's chick in. The gender reveal, which I had forgotten about. And which and Yes. You reminded that me. was such a bright spot. I remember it was like just to confirm that they a were having a girl, girl who we now know to be Lilibet. Yes. The private wedding that they had three days before their actual wedding. Fergie teaching Megan to curtsy, which was kind of this wonderful moment of family. Uh, this quote from Megan, which was, you don't have to love her and hate me and you don't have to hate me and love her about Kate, which I thought kind of spoke to like what I feel like we try to talk about on this podcast a lot. Also, Megan making Oprah crack up with her loaded piece of toast, referring to the avocado toast stories about her. Also, just Oprah's world's best interviewer. I I just think she followed up and followed up and followed up on a lot of things that we were kind of confused about. And I'm flashing my timer. We're at we're at a minute and a half. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, Rachel's keeping me on time. Okay, okay. And then this were you silent or were you silenced? the meme that came from that then there's the low so nothing is what it looks like on the outside it's very lonely megan didn't leave the house there was a quote that megan says she didn't want to be alive anymore harry says this is history repeating itself he said his father stopped taking his calls he was cut off financially and then he relied on the inheritance from diana uh okay how did i do you did good you were
1: just under two minutes which i put it on this fancy timer so i feel like and i I think there was still so much
0: more, so Roberta. much more, I, so much more. It was a, it was a true tell all. They really they really covered a lot, but I want to ask as our kind of discussion for this history segment, what are we still scratching our heads about? What are you ruminating on still? I mean, I think the thing that still
1: just sits with me today is just exactly that what you described when Megan talked about the, the polarity of if you love me, you don't need to hate her, and if you love her, you don't need to hate me. I think yeah. that that hero villain description that she gave was really really powerful and i think we still see you know that was in the context of talking about the bridesmaid dresses and we continue to see that narrative playing out and i wonder a lot you know have we learned from this a year Mm -hmm. later like i think we've made some changes but not many in that in that regard and I, i you know i'm not talking about us i think just the tabloid media
0: right Yeah. One of the other things I I think too a lot about is the who were the people within the firm and the palace that were telling Megan not to get help for her mental health struggles. I think that's such a huge question mark for me still, Um, you know, hearing her say again that she went to H.R., that she was told don't check into a a hospital or, or a health facility. Like, don't do that. Like telling Exactly what you're not supposed to say to someone who comes forward with such a kind of bearing their soul moment and something that's so hard to talk about even today. I think that's what's really shocking. And and in tandem with that is this bullying investigation that we heard about a week before the interview aired. And what are the kind of results of that? Yeah, it went away, it feels like. Yeah, it's like all of it, all the things that they were doing, like
1: the diversities are, which felt laughable at the time, like all of that really kind of disappeared. I think that, you know, there were so many Diana parallels as well. And I think that was something I still can't comprehend was that lack of support, like what you're talking about. But then that overarching feeling when we watched that Harry did step in and remove his family from that situation, which was a huge choice yeah but it was the right choice and i think we see that peacefulness now i will say your mention of loaded piece of toast i went back to my notes from because i remember furiously taking notes as i watched the interview um in preparation for the podcast of course and i remember being <laughs> like loaded piece of toast that needs to be worked into everyday conversation yeah. it's such
0: a good lie it was so nice too because they both like we're laughing pretty hard about it. And it's just, it is such a joke, the way that the coverage of, oh, like, it's so lovely that like Kate Middleton eats avocados when she's pregnant because that's so mm-hmm. good for the baby. And then the contrast, like deforestation, Meghan's avocado just yeah, has caused climate change. And emphasis on what you just said about Harry getting his family out. I do think that was such a big thing, too, is Meg's it. And it was all oh, Megan's yeah. fault. And I think a year later, it's really We've talked over and over again about how it was really Harry's decision at the end of the day. I think that they wanted to make it work and he decided that he wanted to keep his family safe. So,
1: yeah, so many reflections. And I feel like, Roberta, this is the perfect segue into our conversation with Omid Scobie.
0: Yes. So here is that interview with Omid Scobie. Rose, what better person to reminisce with and reflect on the Sussex's Oprah interview than Omid Scobie? We asked him to join us again on the pod for a special one-year anniversary conversation. A man that needs no introduction, but in case you don't know, he's a royal contributor for ABC and royal editor at Harper's Bazaar and also author of the New York Times bestseller, Finding Freedom. We're so glad to have you back on the show, Omid.
4: Thanks for having me back on. And I can't believe it's been a year since that moment. So much has happened since then.
0: I
1: know. How are you doing? Where are you talking to us from? (laughs) we're putting (laughs) you on the spot actually on that moment (laughs) the
4: honest answer is under a blanket in the back of my car because I had an appointment that overran so I appreciate you accommodating my janky setup
1: the lengths you're going to to talk to us
4: it's an important moment to talk about so very we'll always make the time
1: (laughs) very important well we want to talk about you know the sussexes post oprah what in your opinion omid has changed for them for the better for the worse what has transpired in the 12 months since the
4: interview aired i mean i think the the sort of defining moment of that interview was the fact that it was the couple establishing the fact that they are able to use their voices. They're able to speak without restraint or worry of sort of come back from within the institution. And I think we've seen them continue with that sort of authentically since that very moment. Of course, for the royal family, it was a moment that probably they would rather forget, but because so many issues that were raised during that interview have been sort of left unanswered, it'll always be something you know, a year on that continues to sort of loom at large in the skies above Buckingham Palace. But I think for the Sussexes, that was their their release from everything that happened in the past. And there'd been such a build up to that, you know, obviously having written the biography on the couple, that was sort of the first moment that I think we were able to start telling their story. And for me, it was nice to actually be able to sit back and see them tell their story because we hadn't had that moment. And they've continued to do so in many different ways. You know, of course, we're now building up to the moment that Harry releases his memoirs that will no doubt expand on a lot of the things that he spoke about with Oprah. So those conversations still very much will continue.
1: Yeah. Do you feel like there, I mean, there's still so many unknowns. I think that we, we when Roberta and I were reflecting back, just thinking about things that are still quite unresolved 12 months later, For example, the status of his relationship with William and Charles, Harry's security is still very much something that we're thinking about, Um, his relationship with the UK tabloids. What are your thoughts on some of that? Well, I think
4: if it wasn't for that Oprah interview, it would be hard to sort of follow and make sense of some of the decisions the Sussexes have made since then. You know, Harry sort of very publicly is in the process of taking on the British Home Office over a decision to not allow him to pay. For his family's security using police protection whilst in the UK. And I think without the context of sort of where it fell apart and when that moment was that they lost their security, we wouldn't quite understand the backstory there. Exactly the same with Meghan, I think. You know, it was, of course, around that time that we'd seen those certain characters within the institution launch an attack on her character with the allegations of bullying. And I think it was the Oprah interview that made many understand why that was happening, because this was a woman that was potentially capable of bringing down aspects of the institution with her truth. And, you know, I think there must have been great relief after that interview that certain things weren't named or sort of elaborated upon, particularly, you know, when it comes to the racism allegations, we never found out who it was that made those comments. You know, it's a question mark that hangs over the heads of all members of the royal family until it's solved. But I think for the couple, it was all they needed to say for people to actually understand that this was more than two people sort of throwing their toys out of their pram because they didn't get to be royals in the way that they wanted to be. We understood that the issues at stake were a lot more grave.
0: Yeah, I remember too. I rewatched the interview and I remember seeing her shock at the when Oprah does tell her about the bullying allegations and kind of she, Megan hadn't heard of it beforehand because she tries to kind of avoid a lot of the press, but she was totally caught off guard by that, I think. And so now, one year later, we still don't even really know the results of that investigation and it still kind of looms large over all of this. But that's really interesting. Um, I want to ask you, though, do you think we will, because you touched on this, the kind of the royal racist, as it's being called in the press, do you think we will ever find out the identity? I mean, is that something that Harry's memoir could touch on? Uh,
4: listen, it's it's more than the couple that know about this story. So I think eventually we will probably hear in some form or another more on that story and, and sort of the history behind it. Um, But I don't think we'll hear that from the couple. I think they made it really clear that they didn't want to go any further on that because of the damage it would have, not only on the royal family, but also, I think when it comes to his relationship with his family, you know, he made it very clear that it wasn't Philip or the Queen. And I think that that really helped to some extent, because it took two very innocent sort of characters in this story out of the picture. But of course, it still left eyes on a number of others. And unfortunately, that's something that I don't think we'll ever see completely disappear, certainly not in the actions that we've seen that followed. You know, this was a family that, although very quickly denied that the versions of that story that they were familiar with um, matched with Harry and Meghan's, we haven't really seen much in terms of a family denouncing racism or standing up for, for matters in that sort of field, such as the resurgence of the Black Lives Matter movement, you know, silence in the royal family. And I think we've seen, continue to see the royal family not particularly care about racism. And that doesn't particularly help an institution or a group of people that have the potential allegation of racism hanging over their heads.
1: Absolutely. I think you're right in the sense, you know, just reflecting back on this, you know, a year has gone by just, this was such a moment for them laying a stake in the ground of that. They would be able to use their own voice and, you know, shed light and, and when and how they do that and choose to do it has been so interesting to follow in the year since.
4: Many will look back on the Oprah interview and still see it as an attack on the royal family. And I think that that's perhaps a perspective of the more staunch monarchists. And I don't think much will ever change those opinions. But I think for those that have followed the story closely, it just was a chance for them to actually give their side of the story. You know, we can't forget the fact that although we haven't heard much sort of on the record from members of the royal family, the staff working for those royals had been briefing the papers for pretty much the entire duration of the couple's courtship, their married life and beyond. And so as that one opportunity that the couple had to do it themselves. And, you know, if I was in the that position, I would have done exactly the same. And I think they've done a good job of kind of moving on from that in many ways, too. You know, it almost feels a bit dated to be talking about what pushed Harry and Meghan out of the palace. They seem so far away from that story now when we look at the life that they're living, what they're doing, and how happy they are and how sort of much they've moved on from that. I say, moved on, but perhaps not every aspect. You know, They're obviously still dealing with issues to do with the British press. I don't think that will ever end. It's more than just a bone to gripe. I think they really want to actually create some kind of change within the industry here. Whether that will happen or not, I don't know. As you see, people are quite resistant to even listening to what they have to say.
1: It's admirable, though. It is really fascinating to follow,
0: I think another thing the interview did was kind of set them up for these big projects that they had announced. So we, you know, they mentioned the Netflix and Spotify deals. It wasn't part of the plan, but it was something that they were really kind of announcing to the world. And a year later, it feels like we're still kind of waiting for all these things. Do you know if, what to expect in the coming months or years from them? Do you have any insight there?
4: Yeah. You know, I think, listen, COVID hasn't helped anyone. And I think for a couple that started off these big projects or certainly these big relationships with such fanfare those moments to really sort of follow up with the goods in some ways it feels like they've passed but of course you know i think anyone in this industry knows how long it takes to get certain projects off the ground and i think the time constraints they're working with sort of match up with i think what anyone's dealing with but i think you always want to strike while the iron's hot and i think for some people it feels like it's not as hot as it was but i also think that the couple literally only need to breathe and suddenly everyone's hysterical about them again although it may feel like the waters have sort of tempered a little bit i don't think that will remain the case when they actually announce these projects and we see them and we know they're coming this year of course Megan's series, her animated series is in sort of final stages or certainly entering post-production. And then, of course, we've got Harry's documentary series based on Invictus, which will sort of reach its filming climax next month when the games take place in The Hague. And then, of course, we've got the big finale moment at the end of the year with Harry's book. So it's all coming. But I think to some, it does feel like it's taken a little longer than than expected.
0: Yeah. And I think, too, we had the parental leave with Lilibet. So obviously, giving them space and time for that as well. And
1: Omid, you mentioned Harry's book as sort of the finale moment. You know, we felt back, flashback to August 2020, Finding Freedom was incredibly earth shattering when that hit. What can we expect? Or do you have any intel on what what to expect from harry's book at this juncture i know it's many months off the draft isn't even in as at least according to what i've read but what are your what are your sources telling yeah, you yeah
4: i mean even those working directly on this project still don't know about the contents of it they're doing an incredible job of keeping it secret for as long as possible i know that it's sold incredibly well in territories beyond just the uk us and commonwealth and the people buying that book don't know anything about it beyond the title. And that shows that sort of level of interest there is in this book. That said, I have been told by sources that Harry really is going out his way to make sure that there isn't material in there that could be seen as negative towards the Queen or her reign in any way whatsoever. And he really wants to celebrate her life and his relationship with her in that book. So I think as much as the press want this to be a burn book, and an attack on the institutions is more just about his story. And of course, his story is so much more than just the few years of his life as the Duke of Sussex. I think for people expecting that warts and all moment, it's not going to happen. That said, it's still going to be fascinating. And I think Listen, based on my own experience with finding freedom, the press is still going to be hysterical in the lead up to it. And I think that that will spark its own sort of briefing wars that emerge within the palace. You know, suddenly you hear sources speaking out on material, that they don't even know if it exists or not. And by the time the book hits, it almost doesn't matter what's in it because you know the narrative is going to be that Harry has attacked Mm -hmm. his family, regardless of what's in the book.
1: Yeah, like you said, they only have to breathe sometimes for those narratives to exactly. him. It's wild. Yeah,
4: we don't even know the title yet. I'm sure the title will be weeks of discussions and commentary and yeah. opinion pieces. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know the, score the
0: Dissection of, yeah, exactly every word. Well, before the memoir we obviously have the Jubilee coming up and I think a, a question on everyone's minds right now is will the Sussexes attend? I mean, regardless of the balcony moment and all of the press that spawned, but what are your thoughts? What do you think? Will they be there? Will they... Not. Nah.
4: I mean, a year ago, I'd always been told that it there would never be that balcony moment. That there was that the couple wouldn't be joining in the festivities in the same way that working members of the family would. However, they did want to take part in some of the moments that were more appropriate for non-working members of the royal family, such as the Thanksgiving service for the Queen at Westminster Abbey. But that's now sort of hangs in the balance because of this security saga that Harry's dealing with. And whether that can be dealt with in time is sort of up to the core right now. You know, we know that, you know, we've sort of gone into our second hearing on this, you know, the story continues. And although Harry will always be covered for those moments where he's there in an official capacity, and that goes for Meghan and the children as well, If they come to the UK, it's going to be obviously more than just one day of uh, jubilee engagements. They'll be here for an extended period of time and will want to feel safe during that. And as Harry said, he doesn't. Whether we actually get to see the couple really is down to the security issues. And I think it's why even Harry attending Prince Philip's Thanksgiving service later this month also has a big question mark over it because, because of what's going on over here. That said, you know, it's not stopping them from traveling. We know Harry will be in the Netherlands for the Invictus Games. It's just whether they'll be here joining other members of the royal family. And I think that's a real shame if it doesn't happen because I think sometimes all it takes is those sort of picture moments where you can see the couple coexisting alongside the rest of the family for others to sort of move on from this story of, you know, fracturous relationship that has existed for so long it would be nice to see everyone moving past that but now we're sort of down to logistic problems and i don't know if we'll beat them in time
0: I, it also feels too like that picture moment of harry and megan with the queen is good pr for the royals at a time when you know post oprah the royal scandals haven't stopped we have the Cash for Honor, Scandal with Charles still ongoing. We have Andrew and his settlement with Virginia Jufri. I mean, do you think that it's enough to kind of help the royal brand with Harry and Meghan there? I mean, what are your thoughts on that? I
4: think that those that support the royals tend to not be big supporters of the Sussexes. So seeing the Sussexes alongside members of the royal family isn't going to do anything to help Harry and Meghan, that's for sure. But I think in terms of the royal family on the world stage, for them to be seen side by side with the Sussexes and seemingly moving on from things is essential really to move on from those unanswered moments that were brought up during the Oprah interview. At the same time, if it was me, I'm not sure if I'd want to give them that, quite frankly, because... Mm -hmm. Behind the scenes, nothing has changed. Yeah. Nothing has been resolved or remedied. The big conversations regarding the race issue never actually happened. Uh, The the wild bullying allegations against Meghan have just sort of disappeared into the background. The palace refused to even talk about it these days, despite the very public statements that were given out to the global press a year ago. Yeah. That sort of feeling of hurt and resentment that we see from the Sussexes, I don't think probably completely disappeared because there's been that sort of lack of accountability taken since those moments that affected them such a long time ago now.
1: Yeah, it's incredibly disappointing. What did you make of Eugenie and Jack Brooksbank in California? Was that, I mean, do you think we'll see some of the royals popping up on the West Coast of the United States more?
4: It was it was a no-brainer that Eugenie was going to be out there at some time because she's been one of the few that's been absolutely loyal to Harry and Meghan throughout everything that's happened. Partly because she's very always been very close to them. You know, we know that she she and, and Jack Brooksbank were there very early on in Harry and Meghan's relationship. They were the first to really sort of know the big secret within the family. But I think also for Eugenie, she understands the difficulties of existing within that institution and being part of it. You know, she's seen how it's affected her own family and her own upbringing. So I'd imagine there's a level of empathy there that she has that's perhaps a little greater than what some of the others feel towards the Sussexes. Um, That said, I can't imagine that we'll be seeing the Cambridges running around Montecito anytime soon.
1: Even with Earthshot, happening in the United States you think maybe there will be some sort of reunion or no I think it's what we want <laughs> yes <laughs> because
4: we all just need that happy ending yes. it's the closure for I think everyone that's followed the story but the truth is very little has changed behind the scenes and so it would be almost inauthentic for that to happen in front of us because it doesn't actually reflect the state of affairs as it is.
1: You touched on this too, is one thing that I think Roberta and I talk a lot about on the podcast is we just do feel this general sense of happiness from the Sussexes and I think a year later that's that is a really nice thing to watch and witness with the moments we do glimpse of them so
0: you know just to kind of well the rodeo I just want to bring up the rodeo Um, Omid any guesses why Harry was in uh, Texas or were Texas at this uh, rodeo do you know
4: it took me by surprise too you know (laughs) believe it or not I don't know everything that the Sussexes are up to so when I saw that picture pop up on social media it surprised me just as much as many, I mean, listen. To be honest, I'm still trying to get to the bottom of it. We know the President Biden is also heading over to that neck of the woods today, mm-hmm. as we speak, uh, for a military-related uh, engagement. So possibly it has something to do with that. But I, I might just be finding out alongside the rest of the world. <laughs> and I think that's one thing that really has changed with the Sussexes is that we see them really in control of what they're sharing and what they're keeping private and when you compare the number of leaks and just how much was out there a year ago compared to today, it's changed dramatically. And I think that's the source of a lot of the happiness in their lives that they get to keep those special private moments to themselves. They get to see their family and friends without the whole world watching or even knowing about it, receiving briefings about it the next day. And I think ultimately, that's kind of what they wanted all along. And had they have had that, during their time as working royals, things probably would have been very different today. Certainly no open interview, I can tell you that.
1: <laughs> Omid, before we let you go, what are you working on next? And will AirPod be back? We ha- we have to ask you about that. We miss
4: it. Um, I will have some news on a couple of things, actually, very soon. I know that's really annoyingly vague. Um, I'm trying not to jinx anything right now. But I think for me, the past year has been a chance to move forward from some of the stories that i've surrounded myself for the past few years and focus on something a little different so i will leave it at that but i promise i will come to you when i have something more interesting to share beyond a vague sentence
0: we're so excited we're excited yeah we're tantalized Well, thank you so much, Omid, for joining us. It's a, always a pleasure to have you on. From underneath a blanket. I mean, that is
1: commitment. Thank you so much. Yeah. <laughs> Dedication right there.
4: Yeah, my face is very hot right now. So I'm going to go and ca- get some fresh air.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we'll let you go. <laughs> and we will catch up with you soon. Thank you, Omid, again. I loved hearing from Omid. So many insightful reflections. We want to move on to some of the news of the week as well. Just quickly, you know, we mentioned at the top of the episode, the Queen was back to in-person duties. That was such a joyous moment to see her. She was in person with the Canadian Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau. There was no walking stick. She was. They were both maskless. I think, it. you know, a nod to the fact that she's better. She looked radiant. They seemed to be laughing, right, Roberta? In the they sort of- did, yeah. And they were at Windsor Castle. And I think, you know, Trudeau is in town to meet with Boris Johnson and some other world leaders in conversations about Ukraine. So it was a perfect opportunity for him to pop by the palace and say hello. And I know that he released a statement saying that he was able to talk about the situations we were facing and draw on her long experience from having seen so much over these past decades. And I think that is, you know, I just look at that as a reminder the queen what she has lived through roberta you know i I mean she you know was in the palace when it was being bombed during world war ii i guess she was removed from the palace as a child but you know they she really lived through that time so the insight she can offer at a time like this is really
0: probably quite valuable and that's what trudeau reflected on i feel like it also is just so um Consoling to the nation to see her actually just in person again. Yes, we were all so worried, and to see her in her lively spirits, making other people laugh, it's like okay, everything's going to be fine. We're all back to normal now.
1: Yeah, it really is. Like I think our pulse, like it quickens, and then it's like okay, we can breathe a little easier again when we see her. It really does. They should check our salve is a good word. (laughs) Yeah, they they should like actually monitor that when they see the queen. She just has that that you know soothing presence to everyone. Yeah. Um, But we also, I think there was a really delicate and appropriate nod to Ukraine in the background that I wanted to mention. Just the flowers on display Mm, behind her were the colors of the Ukrainian flag. And I think, you know, To me, it's just a really nice sort of subtle tribute. We do know that she also made a generous donation to the Disasters Emergency Committee Humanitarian Fund, the DEC. Um, And that I think, you know, just reading about that just as an example, leading by example, it really does make a difference and sets a path for other people to follow. Things I wish we had seen on other humanitarian things, of course, as we discuss in the ish- in this issue. I'm not in a magazine
0: right now. As we talk about <laughs> in this episode. In this issue of Royally Obsessed. No, but I think that the thing that gave me pause was the other donations from the royal family. Yeah. Like Camilla donating to the Daily Mail's refugee campaign. I yes. think any, you know, obviously any donation is... A- is wonderful and necessary. and But the Daily Mail just feels like a weird choice to me for that.
1: Yeah, because we know that the Cambridges made a private donation. Charles, who's president of the British Red Cross for many years, made a donation through that. But Camilla chose the Daily Mail's refugee campaign. I did want to read this tweet from Peter Hunt, who said, the Queen has made a generous donation to DEC Appeal for Ukraine. Camilla has given to the Mail Appeal. As I wrote last month, Camilla has been canny. She's kept the media close and the Daily Mail even closer. And again, Mm -hmm. it's not, to all donations are so, so welcome at this time of need, but it is kind of that, you know, head-scratching
0: moment. Yeah, the invisible contract, as Harry mentioned in the Oprah. Yeah. And I did want to
1: talk about just the fact, you know, because it's been in the headlines as well, that the queen was talking to Trudeau from Windsor Castle. There's a lot of conversations that she will permanently be at Windsor Castle. And I wanted to see how you felt about that. I saw it's because Buckingham Palace is going to be undergoing renovations for
0: five years. Yeah. Reading about this made me kind of like, it gave me a lot of pause to read that Buckingham Palace has rodents. Have you read that before? No. (laughs) Yeah. that They have like a really bad rat problem. And actually like, um, or not? It didn't say rat specifically. Actually, I should just say it said rodent problem in Buckingham Palace, and that maybe mice. Yeah, maybe mice. At one point, uh, oh, oh, the story was that um, there was a mouse in president obama's suite when he stayed at buckingham palace for their state visit oh. <laughs> and he was like please don't tell michelle please don't tell michelle she's so scared of mice <laughs> that's so, so funny. i don't blame her at all because i think Windsor's is a lot more homely and a lot um i think mice are everywhere though don't you I yeah feel like. that's yeah, true no i would you, nobody wants to see what see them of i mean course. there's this other story of like princess anne A piece of masonry work almost fell on her in buckingham palace once like they really do need the renovations (laughs) yeah so maybe the queen is safer at windsor too funny well and we do know coming up
1: uh march 14th is when we are expected to see her next in a in person for the commonwealth day celebrations at westminster abbey
0: next week i'm really looking forward to that all right our highs and lows, are we ready? Yes, let's do it. It's time for the Royal Highs and Lows. Before we adjourn the Royal Pod, here are our highs and lows. I don't even want to give my low air time because it just makes me so upset but i i'd have to mention it because it's such a low low it's that samantha markle is suing the duchess of sussex she brought forth a lawsuit that claims megan concocted a rag searches fairy tale story during the oprah interview and launched a premeditated campaign to destroy samantha markle and her father thomas's reputation megan's reps obviously they're just like We don't even want to talk about this. They say the claims are baseless. And right now the plan is to give it the minimum attention necessary is what they're saying. Um, I did want to just play this clip of this is what Samantha is actually referring to in her lawsuit. So here's the clip from the Oprah interview on CBS.
3: I grew up as an only child, which everyone who grew up around me knows. And I wished I had siblings. I would have loved to have had siblings. So I'm so excited to be pregnant that Archie has someone was really interesting to I mean the last time I saw her must have been at least 18 19 years ago and before that 10 years before that
2: so you all weren't close you didn't grow up together no she doesn't No. really know you
3: no she changed her last name back to Markle in I think she was in her early 50s at that time only when I started dating Harry mm. so I think that says enough
0: Yeah, that's that's what the
1: that's what the suit is all about. Pretty despicable attention grab. My low, Roberta, is Charles. The news that Charles is having to pony up to help Andrew pay for his settlement. He is helping him cover the debts because the Verbier ski chalet will not sell in time for the March seventeenth deadline. In fact, actually, Andrew just broke that he has paid off the settlement in full today. I just saw that, so I feel like. Charles and I believe the queen had to step in to help cover it because he just that it wouldn't go through quickly. And apparently there's a clause, according to the Telegraph, that the failure to repay the loan to Charles means it will be deducted from his inheritance from the queen. So just fascinating the finances of how this is all playing out. Who's stepping
0: in to help? I know it's family, but it just feels continually gross. Did you see that we might hear from Virginia in June, because she no. actually is being asked to speak at the Ghulain sentencing, supposedly. That's what I just read. Ooh. So mid June after the Jubilee, which I think her contract is that she can't speak until after the Jubilee. So after the Jubilee, critical. Okay, my high Harry at a rodeo. This is. <laughs>
2: I think I texted,
0: I saw that picture and I just wrote you, huh? (laughs) But we were just saying like all the pictures are taken down. So like, did he say that he didn't want anyone to know where he was? It just seems odd. So weird. I know I loved Omid's take on it. And his face too. Like he looks like he doesn't want pictures taken of him at that time. Rachel, what's going on though? Like, I just want to ask It's the Super Bowl, the rodeo. Like what's next for this American tour? Where is he gonna pop up next? I know. Like I feel like the Coney Island hot dog eating contest would be good for. Oh, him. I would
1: love that. I would. He's love really that.
0: Americanizing himself in <laughs> in a very <laughs> submersive way.
1: So it's funny. yes, yes. Uh, very, very curious. There, my high is this little. Uh, we never, we don't get that many comments or PDA moments from William and Kate, but apparently. When they were in Wales for Saint David's Day, William made a comment. It was a particularly cold afternoon, but he said that Kate has the coldest hands ever. And then he added, "They say cold hands, warm heart," and that just Aww. warmed my heart, Roberta.
0: <laughs> I thought it was such a sweet little aside, and I got I Mitt think, Romney vibes, though. <laughs> but yeah, I do definitely love it. is cold you know, hands, warm mom heart, and, mom
1: lose. and dad uh, yeah. kind of vibes there too. But I, but I love those little asides that we Same. sometimes pick up from the crowd
0: just a reminder before we close leave us a royal rating please we love 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 five-star reviews it would make our week our month our year so please leave us a review reminder to subscribe so you never miss an episode follow us on instagram at royally obsessed podcast and email us at info at com. until next week